Hey, well, welcome back, everybody. I'm so glad that you are with us today. Um, and again, a big shout out to everybody that's joining with us online, whether it's our YouTube, Facebook, or online campus, and even our East Campus. We are one church in two locations. How about a church call? Would you welcome? That's, that's right. We love you guys. Grateful you're along for, for the ride today. And we are in a series called Asking for a Friend answering the questions that people are asking. If you're brand new around here, let me just tell you where we've been. Um, every Easter, we give you a survey, and we try to uh, ask several questions, like where should a new campus go? How did you hear of us? And we ask you the same question every year, and it's this, is if you could hear a message on what the Bible says about anything, what would you wanna hear a message on? And overwhelmingly, you had like four or five top responses. So week one, we talked about toxic relationships. Uh, when is the right time to walk away from toxic people? Um, last week, we talked about mental health. Um, is there any help for you? What does the Bible say about that? And let me just say for a moment, overwhelmingly, um, you have responded, um, and that message has helped so many of you, and I'm so grateful for it. But if you missed that message, you need to go on our YouTube channel. You need to get caught up. I think that it would be a help, help for you, or you know somebody who's struggling. Um, I think that would be, be a blessing to them. But today, um, we're going to talk about parenting and kids. And here's the question that people are asking, and it's this, um, how do we raise kids in today's crazy culture? Aren't you asking that question? And as a parent, I'm, I'm totally asking that question. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I, I stand on this stage today, not as an expert by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, anybody that says, I'm an expert in parenting, hmm, well, probably not. Um, you, you can't just give yourself that title, right? Somebody has to give that to you. Um, I am not an expert. However, before kids, I knew everything there was about parenting. We'd be in Target, in the checkout line, and some kid would be acting crazy and foolish, didn't get candy, didn't get a toy, and they'd be acting out in the store, and I would say to myself, my kids will never do that in the store. <laughs> so much shame, so much judgment that I would put on people, and now when I see a mom struggling or a dad struggling, it's not judgment, it's actually one of empathy. Like, yeah, been there, done that, lived, lived that that life. And don't, wouldn't you agree, everybody in the room online, our East Campus, that um, parenting can be humbling? Can I just show, show of hands? Like, parenting can be humbling. Um, one moment, you're at the top of your game, and you're thinking, man, I have got this thing figured out. Woo, go me. And in the very next minute, something comes in from left field, and it puts you on your backside, and you're wondering, what do we even do in this moment? Parenting can be incredibly humbling, but I believe the Bible has some incredible wisdom. There's not a perfect formula. If you're waiting to like, do these five things and every kid's gonna turn out like that. There is no perfect formula for that. But the Bible has lots of wisdom and that's what we're gonna try to answer today. In fact, I'm gonna try as best as I can to answer three questions or give you three questions that I believe every kid needs answered by their parent, grandparent, guardian, so if you are a parent in the room, you're a grandparent, or one day maybe you hope to have kids, I'm gonna invite you to, to lean in a little bit today. Um, you're gonna wanna take some notes. I think this will be incredibly, incredibly helpful. But how do we raise kids in today's crazy culture? And here's the thing, every kid needs two things. This is what the Bible teaches. Every kid needs two things. The two primary needs are love and limits. Love and limits. This love I'm talking about is like all out, um, no strings attached, no matter what you do, I'm always going to be here for you, that type of, of love. 
And then they also need limits, meaning they just can't do whatever they want, whenever they want to, however, and what, like they, no, they, they need boundaries. They need, they need limits. Now I, I put these on the screen and I'm going to just ask you a question. If you're, if you're a parent, where, where, no, keep that up. Where, 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 where do you find yourself? Are you like love? You, you tip to the love scale or do you tip to the, to the limits scale? Where, where would you say that you would tip? Now don't, don't blurt this out. Um, but if you were to say like your parents, like how they raised you, did they raise you more on the love scale? Like you tipped all love or did they tip you on the, the limits scale? Now it's amazing when people do surveys on all of this, how much this has changed in the last several, several years. I mean, decades ago, it would have been all about, all about the limits. Meaning like, um, I didn't really hear my dad say that he loved me very much, but I knew where that line was and I better not cross it, right? I'm not, I'm not telling us that we need to go back to that by any stretch of the imagination, but we would have to agree that there has been a parental shift the last several, several decades. Marsha Moritz, who I do believe is a parenting expert, she writes this about our generation today. She says, stop trying to be your kid's best friend. Rather, be what they need most. And what they need is love-giving, limit-setting parents. Let them make friends with kids their own age. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. Let's try that again. Let them make kids with friends their own age. Stop trying to be your kid's best friend. That's what she's saying. Let's go back. I'm not sure what's going on. You step up and be the parent. (laughs) There's been a shift. I'm not saying we need to go back to all of these limits and never telling your kids that you, that you love them, but there has been a shift from limits to, to love, and the truth is, is there's rebellion that's creeping, that's creeping, and Marsha Moritz has this, has this nailed. Now, a couple of things that I'm just going to kind of read a little bit here today because I, I want to I wanna get your thoughts around, around what the Bible says. Because when we talk about discipline and limits and boundaries, and these three questions, um, if you're a kid in the room, a teenager, you're going to like, oh, this feels really like, this, this doesn't feel, feel right. But here's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us this, that children, I, I'm not sure what's happening today. So I'm just going to go ahead and focus. If this, they get this right, we're going we're gonna to figure it out. Children. Now, here's, here's the thing. Um, this is the only place in the Bible where, where children are dressed specifically. There's verses for husbands, there's verses for wives, there's verses for leaders. This is the only verse in scripture that's addressed specifically to to children. So children, obey the Lord, obey your parents in the Lord for this is the right thing, the right thing to do. And all the parents like, that's right. What you forget parents is that you have a responsibility to teach your kids what obedience looks like. That's not on them just to automatically figure it out. You have a responsibility to teach your children what this, what this, what this looks like. Now, King David is such an interesting character to me. An incredible leader, but a lousy parent. He had this son named Adonijah, and we're going to try this again. Let's see if, okay, 1 Kings 1. King David, listen to what he did. He never disciplined his son Adonijah at any time, even by asking, 
what are you doing? Can you imagine that? Never at one time did King Adonai just say, hey, you can't go there. You can't hang out with that person. You can't text. You can't download that app. Never once did King David ever ask his son what he was doing. And by the way, that didn't end up well for King Adonijah or Adonijah. King, he rebelled against the king. He was put, he was put to death. So here's so leads me to the first question. Here it is. Um, what are the, every kid needs this, this question answered. Where are the boundaries? Where are the boundaries? I, I'm, I've, I'm, I've totally lost my train of thought here. Um, we're going to get away from the, if they put it up, they're going to put it up. I'm just going to go off my notes today. Is that all right, everybody? All right, you're going to give me some grace today. East Campus, you're going to give me some grace um, today. Um, every kid needs these three questions um, answered. And here's the first one, write it in your notes. And it's where are the boundaries? Where are the boundaries? Now, let me just say, we, before um, we moved here, we had three kids, um, ages three and under. Um, it was a crazy time in, in the Moore house. We had Gianna, who was three and a half. We had Grayson, who turned two, and Gabby, who was a, a newborn. And I lived about 25 minutes from my office at the church to our home, and there was just one day Amanda called me and she said, Jared, um, I just need you to, to meet me at the restaurant, this Mexican restaurant right by our home. Um, it's just been one of those days. Um, don't have dinner ready, just give me grace. And you know, I pull up to the restaurant and she's pulling all the kids out of the minivan. We had a minivan back then. And, and I could just tell like, she ain't feeling it today. It, my, my best response to her is not to say anything and just to shake my head and say, yes, dear. Like you're like validate everything that's going on in her, in her mind. We get down, we order our drinks, we order our food. And Grayson is two years old, and his favorite word at this stage was the word no. No matter what we would say, he's our most stubborn, I mean, child, I don't know where he gets that from, but he's, it, was, it was no all the time. Amanda said, hey, eat your chips. No. Drink the milk that we just ordered you. No. And then she looks at me and says, this is why I'm having a day. It's been no all day long. And then Grayson takes his styrofoam cup of milk and launches it, <laughs> crashes, everybody in the restaurant sees, they all come, they're running to help clean it up and they, they look at us and Amanda, she looks at me and I just, I'm, I'm just validating everything that she's saying. And she grabs my keys, she put her keys on the table <laughs> and says, I'm out, I'm done. All the women are like, yeah, and all the dudes are like, what are you leaving me here? I, I, and all, it's, the restaurant's laughing, right? But she, she's gone. She went home. I, I'm literally in this, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm a way better parent than her anyway. Like, I can totally get her, get this child to say no. And again, I start negotiating with Grayson. I felt like I spent like a year of my life negotiating and threatening my child. If you don't do what I say, I'm gonna take away your toys. So I'm there in this restaurant, it's quite the scene, people are cleaning everything up, and I'm happy, Grayson, you are going to listen, you are going to obey, and I threaten, if you don't listen to what I'm saying, if you don't drink your milk and eat your chips and all these things, I'm going to take, you know, you know who you sleep with, that blanket, blankie, every single night? You will never see that blanket again. Do you understand me? Like, it's over. That set him to another dimension 
I just take out my wallet, all of the cash that I had, put it on the thing, take all three kids and off I go, walk of shame out of the restaurant. Uh, not the greatest parenting moment for me. But here's, here's what Grayson was doing in that moment. Now, he, he didn't verbalize this, but he was simply asking me, where are the boundaries? And by the way, kids never stop asking that. Teenagers are asking you, where are the boundaries? You can't text that. You can't date that person. You can't wear that. You can't go there. You can't attend that party. And if you tell them something that they don't like, what do they do? They slam the door. They tell you you're the worst parent ever. Or you'll even hear these words in your home, I hate you. They're always testing, testing the boundaries. You know, what's amazing to me is several years ago, they did a national survey on juvenile delinquents. And they asked these juvenile delinquents one question, and they said this, um, what could your parents have done to show you more love? Now, now notice, they didn't ask the question, what could they have done to discipline you better? It was, what could they have done to show you more love? And the most common response that was given, listen to this, this is juvenile delinquents, that I would have felt more love had my parents disciplined me more. Think about that. Parents who discipline do so because they love their kids and they recognize that this discipline will help them become the man or woman that God's creating them to be. Amen. Check this out. Let's see if this works. It does not work. We're going we're gonna to stay right, right here. The Bible says this, that no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Here's what that means. Your children are never gonna to come to you and say, mom and dad, <laughs> you're so right. I never should have gone to that party. You, you, you were right. You knew there'd be drugs there. You knew there'd be tons of alcohol. Thank you for not allowing me to go to that party. They're, they're never gonna tell you that. Your son in the moment of discipline is never gonna say, mom and dad, thank you so much for telling me that I've been on my phone way too long today. You're, you're right. I shouldn't have downloaded that app. I shouldn't have gone there. You're right. Thank you for being such loving, loving parents. They're never going to tell you that. So, so look what the rest of the verse says. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening, but afterward, this is key, afterward, there will be a, say this with me, a quiet harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. What that means is years later, when they're in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, you will see a harvest of right living when they're trained in this way because of discipline. Now, I will say this. Parenting expert Kevin Lehman agrees. He talks about two extremes when it comes to parenting that we usually fall into. The first one is a domineering parent. There's a quote on the screen maybe, and it says this, that many parents don't act in authority they act as dictators. Hey, you're going to do as you're going to do as I tell you to do. And for as long as you live under my roof, you're going to do everything that I tell you to do. And they, they will say things like, get that look off of your face or I'll change it for you. I, I had that a lot growing up. <laughs> so, you know, um, little boys are meant to be seen and not heard. Anybody else hear, hear that? That was, <laughs> that was common in my home. Um, that, that is a, a domineering parent. And, and Lehman says that there's another type of extreme, and that is a permissive parent. And they communicate this way. This is what he says. Uh, this is what the permissive parent does. I want to meet your every need. 
I wanna make sure that you are happy, happy, happy. No matter what the child asks for, they, they get it. A grotesquely violent video game, no problem. A rap album with lewd lyrics, absolutely. Clothes that reveal half of their daughter's body, sure. After all, it's just a phase. And here's what he concludes. That both extremes, the domineering and the permissive, both extremes produce rebellion. Both extremes produce rebellion. And we tend to think that just one extreme does. Well, I'm not that way. So that only the rebellious kids are grow up in those homes. No, both extremes produce, produce rebellion. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. He concludes that fathers do not provoke your children to, to wrath. Bring them up, and there's our key word again, in discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So you have to ask yourself the question is what, what would provoke your kids to wrath? Have you ever thought about that? What would provoke your kids? Sarcasm? I'm the king of sarcasm in my home, and it's not helpful. Sarcasm? Constant put-downs, maybe embarrassing them in, in public. Hey, mothers and fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath and set, bring them up in discipline and the instruction of, of the Lord. Now, let me give you a few suggestions. These aren't in your notes. Just write them maybe to the side. That when you find yourself in a, in a disciplining moment, you're setting the boundaries and tensions are high, what do you do? Here, here's three quick things. The first one is this, is you take a step back, not a step forward. This is really key. In the moment when tensions are high, take a step back, get your wits about you, take a deep breath, take a step back, don't take a step forward. Well, I'm the parent, I can, I can act the way I want to. Y yes, not helpful. Take a step back instead of taking a step forward. Here's the second thing, write this down, is have a phrase. In the moment when tensions are high, have a phrase. It could be like a little prayer that you have to remind yourself by just saying, um, I love my children, right? There's a thing that Amanda and I say, like thank God for my, my kids right now in this, in this moment. Whatever it is, have a, have a phrase. Um, we're not gonna talk right now, um, give me five minutes. What helps me in the moments when I'm disciplining my children is I have a responsibility as their father to show them the heavenly father's love. And aren't you thankful that we have a God in heaven, our heavenly father, who doesn't chew us out every time we mess up? Amen. Who doesn't come down hard every time that we don't meet his expectations? He is slow to anger, the Bible says. He's full of grace. He's He's loving, and I oftentimes think that in those moments, they just need a, a loving father more than they need a, a line in the sand. You messed up. <sighs> Have a phrase, whatever that would be. And here's the third thing. Um, ask the question is, what does my child need right now? What do they need right now? Why are they acting out? Oftentimes, if you ask that question, you'll realize, oh, they're tired, or they, they're hungry. What they need in this moment is a snack and a nap, which by the way, most adults, what we need is a snack and a nap. Wouldn't you agree? What does my kid need right now in, in this moment? Maybe they're embarrassed in public and they don't know how to express themselves and that's why they're acting out. What does your child need in that moment? And when you have a phrase, when you ask that question, you're beginning to handle conflict and discipline in a healthy way and this is the last point in this, and this is, this is key.
that healthy discipline is always done in love. It's always done in love. Which then leads to the second question that every child needs answered, and it's, do you love me? Do you love me? What are the boundaries? And do you love me? This no strings attached, whatever you do, I'm always going to be your mommy. I'm always going to be your daddy. Kids need to know, do you love them? Again, what I find so interesting about King David, this, this amazing leader, killed Goliath when he was a little kid. But when it came to parenting, he totally messed this up. Adonijah was one son, but he also had another son, Absalom. Absalom and David had a falling out, and they didn't talk to each other for three whole years. Maybe you're in the room online or East Campus, and you can relate to that. Maybe you've had a falling out with a son or a daughter, and you have the silent treatment. You haven't talked to each other in years. Um, maybe it's just all this passive-aggressive behavior between both of you, which isn't helping anyone. Well, King David and Absalom had a very similar relationship, but Absalom kept going to David over and over again. Hey, I'd like to meet with you. And every time, it'd be the cold shoulder. I'm too busy. I, I can't meet. Eventually, Absalom went to his dad's assistant, the general in the army, Joab, and he asked for a meeting. I mean, can you imagine that, going to your dad's assistant just to get on, on his calendar? And here's what, here's what the text says. I'll keep on, it's out, out of habit. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, it says, then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, asking, hey, I, I want I a moment with my dad. Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. Then he said to his servants, listen to this, look, I need to get my dad's attention. Joab's field is next to mine, and he has a barley field there. Go and set that field on fire. So Absalom's servants set Joab's field on fire, thinking that will get my dad's attention. I'll set it on fire. And you know, kids will do that. If they don't feel loved, they don't have your undivided attention, they'll set a few things on fire. They'll get arrested. They'll start experimenting with drugs. They'll flunk themselves out of school even though they're highly intelligent because they don't have the attention and they don't know that they're loved and valued in their own, in their own home. They'll get pregnant, they'll get somebody else pregnant. Kids will burn some fields down to hear you say that you that you love them. See if you agree with this statement. The statement is your son or daughter feels loved when they know they have your attention. Would you agree or disagree with that? And would your son or daughter, in, if they were in the room with you, would, would they say that they have your attention overall? Or, or would they say, no, I'm constantly competing with work? I'm constantly competing with a hobby. I'm constantly competing with dad's new girlfriend or mom's new boyfriend. I'm always competing. Listen to me, America today is filled with women and young girls who are dressing and dating in such a way to try to get attention from men because they never got it from their father. And America today is filled with young men, boys, who are still trying to gain their father's approval. They're still trying to prove something so they can hear their dad or hear somebody say, well done, I'm, I'm proud of you. And listen to me, parents, you don't want that. You don't want fields to be burned because they never had your, you, they never gave, you never gave your kids their attention. 
Here's the truth and here's the really good news is that you don't have to be a perfect parent, but you have to be a present parent. That should be freedom for all of us. You don't have to be perfect, you have to be present. A parent who's at dinner as much as possible, a parent who tucks their kids in at night and and prays over them, a parent who attends the sporting events, a parent who will take their kids out to dinner just to ask them how they're doing. And if your kid is struggling right now, parents, you might have to sacrifice for them. You might have to say no to that golf trip. You might have to say no to, to girls weekend. You might have to be present because your kids, your kids need you. I, I, this, I thought this was brilliant. One of my mentors said to me recently, he said, Jared, um, One Life Church, um, they'll be fine without you. Like, if you were to leave tomorrow, they'd be sad for a week, then they'd hire a new pastor and they'd fall in love with him. Like, don't, you're replaceable. You know who I'm not replaceable to? It's my kids. I'm the only daddy that they're ever gonna have. And I said this a bunch to you and I'm gonna say it again. I will never sacrifice my kids on the altar of One Life Church. You're not worth it. You're not worth it. And you shouldn't sacrifice your family and your kids at your career and your business and your hobby. You have one shot. You're replaceable to everybody else. You are not replaceable to your kids. You don't have to be a perfect parent. You have to be a present parent. I love this verse. I've never seen this before when it comes to parenting. But Peter says in chapter chapter four, above all, he writes, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And if you think about when it comes to parenting, as a father, I do things all the time that that I shouldn't do. I'm not the, I don't always respond. I'm not the parent I need to be. I'm crabby from time to time. I'm not perfect. But if your kids know deep down inside that you love them, like no matter what, no strings attached, and they feel that love in their life, I'm telling you, it can cover a multitude of parental sins. Amen. That's right. Above all, love each other deeply, for love covers a multitude of sins. And here's the third question that every kid needs answered, then I'm almost done. And the question they need answered is, do they have what it takes? Do they have what it takes? They're asking this question, do I have what it takes? I heard a really funny observation about Snow White and the seven dwarfs from another pastor. He was watching Snow White with his kids, his little girls, and he thought halfway through the movie, like this is a terrible model for my girls to follow. Here's this young woman who's hiding from her stepmother because she feels afraid and helpless. She takes a job working for seven short, cranky guys simply because she doesn't think she can find more meaningful work. And she's sitting around waiting for someone else to come and rescue her, singing, someday my prince will come. He said after the movie, like with his daughters, they're debriefing it, and he says, hey, by the way, that's terrible. Don't ever follow that, don't ever do that. If you're ever in a situation where your stepmother is trying to kill you and you're working for short, seven short um, cranky guys, here's what you do. You confront your stepmother face to face. Tell her to come to grips with her aging process. You won't put up with her insecurities any longer. Tell her to go and find a good therapist. <laughs> he obviously listened to how to walk away from toxic people, that, that message and then tell those seven short cranky guys to get a life. 
if they can't handle the basic challenges of life, of house cleaning and hygiene, they need to find some other codependent person that enables their domestic passivity. I love this. And stop waiting for the prince to come and rescue you. Find meaningful work, serve God. And when it comes to finding a prince, let daddy choose. Amen, everybody? That's, that's great. Listen, your kids are going to ask you, do they have what it takes? They're gonna ask you this. And if they don't feel that sense of approval, they're gonna act out on it. They might become the codependent person. They might be the person that sells themselves short and never finds work that is meaningful. They might be the person who dates one, two, or seven short cranky guys. Your kids need to know that they have what it takes. They need to know this verse, Ephesians chapter two. I give you this verse all the time. I want you to believe this for your life and your kids need to believe this for their life, that they are God's masterpiece created in Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for them to do. Think about this. When you look in the mirror every morning, you wake up and there's bags under your eyes, a wrinkly skin, and your hair's disheveled. God looks at you and thinks that that is a masterpiece. We, we live in one of the greatest states. Arizona has the most amazing sunrises and sunsets. In a week and a half, I'm going to be in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. It's the most magnificent thing I've ever seen with my eyes. The beaches. Everywhere you go across this amazing country that's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Did you know as amazing as those things are, they're never called the masterpiece of God. You are. Your son and your daughter, they're called the masterpiece of God. And here's what I've noticed about students and kids, especially the last several years, is they spend a lot of time wishing that they were different. Wishing that they didn't have that sickness wishing that they were taller, wishing that they were stronger, wishing that they had different friends, wishing that they would sit at a different table at lunch. And I'm telling you, parents, that students today need to hear from you. They need to hear that they are created by God and that they are a masterpiece. They need to hear you say that they are beautiful inside and out. They need to hear you say that they may not succeed at everything that they do in life, but God has gifted them and there is something special that is inside of them. He's waiting for them to accomplish it. Your kids need to hear you say that they they need to be encouraged by you. Amanda and I, we have this phrase in our home, like when in doubt, encourage. When our kids are struggling, encourage. When they're stuck with something, encourage. No kid ever, way down deep, wishes that their parents would stop encouraging them. (laughs) Oh, I wish my parents would stop encouraging me. Oh, it's so annoying. By the way, I'm 40 years old. Um, If you have older kids, uh, parents, you still need to encourage your kids. And every Sunday afternoon, my mom lives in Michigan, my dad is here. I'll get a text message from both of them and it'll say something like this, like best message I've ever heard for 50 weeks in a row. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm 40 years old and I love when my parents encourage me. When in doubt, encourage. Parents, here's why. 
uh, your kids are under attack. Stress, anxiety, all-time highs. Social media, always on. Criticism all the time. They are under attack. And parents, if we're going to teach our kids in this crazy culture, we need to be able to answer these questions. Where are the boundaries? Do you love me and do I have what it takes? They need their parents to teach them the Ten Commandments. They need you to teach them how to pray. They need parents who will teach them how to trust God even when life is difficult. They need parents who will teach them what a real relationship with Jesus looks like. Because if we fall in love with Jesus, we don't follow rules. We, we do this out of love in our hearts, never out of duty. And which, by the way, that leads to the best life they can ever live. Parents, you need to talk to your kids about sex. You need to teach them about self-worth, not from school, not from curriculum, not from the back of the bus. You need to be the one teaching your kids about sex. They need to hear from you. And yes, I know that parenting is exhausting. It is tiring. And yes, there will be moments when you will feel like you are a failure. Listen to me. God has entrusted you in this moment to raise these kids in this crazy culture. He will empower you to do this. Here's how I know it. Because there's a God in heaven who has given us boundaries. And we have a God in heaven who knows everything about us and loves us anyway. And we have a God in heaven who has a great plan and purpose for our lives. And when we follow him, then we can parent in this crazy culture. So I'm going to invite you all over this room to bow your heads, close your eyes, turn off every distraction online or East Campus. And I thought, how do I end a message like this? And I just thought, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pray for the families of One Life Church. Moms and dads, you have no higher calling. It's the hardest, but it is the greatest. And you're called in this moment, set apart, to raise these kids in this moment. Grandparents all over the room, those, grand, those grandkids are a gift from God. If one day you hope to be a parent, wherever you are on the journey, I wanna pray for every family here at One Life Church. Open up your hands, open up your heart to God. And God, you, you see the hearts of your people today. Lord, we want to get this right. We want to do the best that we can with the time that we have, the resources that are at our disposal. God, we want to parent the best way that we possibly can. But God, we know that we need your strength. We need your power like never before. So come fill us right now. Oh, come Holy Spirit. Do only what you can do in this moment all the fear and anxiety and the moments that we look back and we wish that we could have done differently, God, we release that right now in Jesus' name. We're not gonna carry that any longer. It's a new day. And we trust you, Lord. We're gonna teach our kids boundaries because we know that if they can learn boundaries from mom and dad, they'll ultimately be able to follow the God who created them. Help us to be strong in our convictions. 
Lord, we do want our kids to know that they're loved unconditionally, no strings attached. And right now we pray for our children, our students, that they will know that they have what it takes, that they are God's masterpiece. You have set their days apart to accomplish incredible work. So go before us in these moments. Make these hard things easier. We trust you today. We hold nothing back. With your heads still bowed and your eyes still closed, there's some of you in the room and you would say, you know, Jared, I've been going my own way. I've been keeping God at a distance for a really long time. And today, you know God's speaking to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna make you come down front. not make you join this church, but I do wanna pray for you. And maybe you would just be brave enough and say, you know, pastor, today I'm far from God, but I need to respond to his love and his grace and his mercy. If that's you in the room, I just invite you to pray this prayer right after me, but put it in your own words, mean it in your heart. But today, you know, God's speaking to you. Just pray this prayer. Say, today, God, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. But today, as simply as I know how, I give my life completely and fully to you. Come, live inside of me, change me, make me the person you long for me to be. Today, I receive your grace, your forgiveness. Thanks for all that you accomplished on the cross for me. Thank you for paying for my sin. And today I commit to live completely for you. Now, Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person who's praying that prayer. Some today are praying that prayer for the very first time. Others, it might be a prayer of rededication, recommitment. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for saving people. And now I pray that the people of God our parents, our families of One Life Church that will apply the word of God to our life and will be changed forever by it. It's in your name we pray, the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, church, will you celebrate with me those who just said yes to Jesus in the room online? So proud of you today. Hey, if you took a moment and you prayed that prayer with me, just take the connection card that we've talked a lot about today and just check the box. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus or I'm recommitting my life to Christ. Wherever you are on the journey, um, thank you um, for just entrusting us with this information. And again, it's the same hassle-free guarantee. We just wanna help come alongside of you, give you some next steps. It's the greatest decision that you've ever made, and we wanna help you take a next step. And we have a thing here called the Growth Track. The Growth Track is a two-step process that will help you know God, find a friend, discover your purpose. We'd love to help you take that step. Immediately following this service, um, in the Growth Track room, in the lobby, we'd love to help you take a step here at One Life Church. And before we send you out, everybody, right now we're gonna worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? I know you are. Thank you for your amazing generosity, not just here, our East Campus, but literally all around the world. I have some updates too coming in the next few weeks of just some of our mission partners that we're um, engaged with. We have a mission team this week that's leaving for Togo, West Africa. Um, Be praying for them. It's going to be an incredible season. We have one more um, group that's going in November. Um, It's just thrilling to be a part of all that God is doing around here these days. Um, And if you're a guest today, again, welcome to One Life Church. I'm so grateful that, that you're with us. Our prayer is that the first time won't be your last time, and we'd love to partner with you and your family um, here at, in this ministry and, and what God is doing in, in your life specifically. Um, let me invite you to stand to your feet all over the room. If you need prayer for any reason, our prayer team will be down front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. And again, thanks for being here today.
Let's pray. God, thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for what you are doing in their heart and in their life. Thank you for the moments that we get to share together. And now I pray that we will have the best Sunday that we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, church, I love you. Keep coming back. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.